Hi, I'm Lawrence Carroll, and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. I'm the author of ETS for the Long Run, Dividend Stocks for Dummies, and a contributor to Forbes.com and Barron's. Each week on Two Question Tuesday, we randomly pick and answer two questions from clients of Focus Wealth Management. This week's questions will be answered by Phil D'Angelo, Managing Director of Focused Wealth, and Michael Passante, the firm's Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good, thanks. Nice today's, first, today's first question, do you think we're going to have a recession? There's three factors predicting a recession, and they are an inverted yield curve, a commodity price shock, and an interest rate tightening by the Federal Reserve. What is an inverted yield curve, and why does it typically predict a recession? So the inverted yield curve is actually one of the, if not the most accurate forecaster of a recession. And it generally happens between 12 and 18 months out after the yield curve inverts. So what a yield curve inversion is, is when short-term interest rates, which are usually measured by the two-year U.S. Treasury, are higher than the 10-year U.S. Treasury. And what usually causes this is an excessive Federal Reserve tightening cycle. Now, the yield curve actually inverted back in 2019 very briefly, and it was actually forecasting COVID, which was one of the shortest recessions that we've ever had in the United States. Right now, with all this talk about Fed rate hikes, and we have a Fed meeting tomorrow, um, it's, there are currently seven rate hikes priced into the market right now. So the, the spread between the 10-year Treasury and the two-year Treasury has been crashing lately. And it's all the way down to 27 basis points as of today. Even with longer term rates rising on the 10-year, they got above 2.1% yesterday. So what's interesting is if you look one year forward, there are futures contracts to the yield curve. It's negative by 14 basis points. So the one year forward out yield curve is already showing inversion. It's predicting that the Fed basically in, inverts the yield curve, which would indicate that there could be a recession between 12 and 18 months after that. So this is certainly suggesting if the yield curve inverts that a recession is coming on the horizon. Now, equity returns haven't all been that bad immediately following an inverted yield curve. Usually returns have been positive with the loan exception coming in um, the 1978 inversion when uh, the next three months, the S&P 500 was down close to 12%. That's really the only time that the market got really weak after that. And you know so, what's worried about that time, Mike, is that, you know, this is the late 70s all over again, as of now, right? I mean, as of this morning, Tuesday morning, right? It looks like the inflation numbers were tamer than expected. If you take out these high energy prices, even better than you think, right? If they keep coming down like this as of now, I don't know, it looks like crude is going to open up down 6 to 10%, something like that. So tamer inflation data. But don't forget also, how does it factor in, right? When you have um, inflation, so the, the yield curve looks like it's going to invert and inflation starts to come down also, which is what you have. And that that's always together, right? Where you have future inflation, less than expected yields curve, yield curves can invert as well. So you're, you know, like all three things that Larry mentioned in the question, right, are happening right now. You also have two things inverting the yield curve. The way out of it would be a, a, some sort of different Fed operation. Fed meets on Wednesday, I believe. Obviously, they're going to raise rates. Um, probably go 25 basis points. Who knows? Maybe uh, they're not going to shock the markets with global events like this uh, that are shocking to begin with, right? The, we've had enough unsettling. Um, but if you look at the the tools like Operation Twist, right, that they had uh, post financial crisis, I would be very shocked if you didn't see something like that come into the picture 
uh, where maybe you're issuing longer dated securities and keeping you know, the short term, try to steepen the yield curve. And that's really what they need to do is steepen the yield curve at this juncture. Uh, but that's tough to do. Yeah, it's really difficult. And to your point, a lot of these recessions, so eight of the last 12 recessions since 1946 have been preceded by significant spikes higher in oil prices. Yes. So one of the reasons why the yield curve inverts is that the Fed sees short-term inflationary pressure, they panic, they hike too far too fast. This is literally the same thing that happened in the fourth quarter of 2018. Yeah. And they invert the yield curve and the US economy falls into a recession. I mean, the other thing you have to consider with all this is that the credit markets are falling apart and they look absolutely terrible. High yield spreads have been widening significantly. There's been a lot of pressure on even investment grade corporate bonds, which are down about 13% since their November peak. I mean, that's almost in line with the S&P 500. So with this much pressure in credit markets, it would be insane to think that the Fed is going to hike seven times. And that's basically the camp that I've been in the entire time. And this morning, to your point, the producer price index started to roll over and everybody's expecting oil prices to go higher, right? Oil prices are down 22.3% in the last week because everybody around the world is worried about inflation right now, trying to get prices down. So if energy prices start to go down, the base effects for inflation really start to accelerate over the next couple of months. And by base effect, I mean what you compare year over year CPI against. So it's very- you want to know one of the biggest tools of winning this war would be to, would be destabilizing oil. Again, the Kremlin can't run their war machine at north of $65 a barrel. You want to destabilize them and take them out of the game, you, you break crude. And we know how to break crude. Yeah, absolutely. So if we could find ways to increase production and output to, you know, manage the supply, you know what else oil prices don't like is COVID (laughs) and COVID's reaccelerating in China again. And that is a big deal. And I think that's one of the reasons why you're seeing prices go down so precipitously in the last week. So I think this could be a situation where, I mean, if the thing goes too far too fast. Down 6% last night. I'm shocked that didn't spread to here today. Yeah. And I mean, at some point, you're going to see policy response from China because their markets are they're like the tech market in China is down well over 50 percent over the course of the last year. And it's definitely spilling over to other areas as well. And at the end the of the day, market. are they going to back, you know, Putin with failed policies when they got a, a plate, you know, full of doo-doo to eat themselves? It's going to be tough. Yeah. So without question, recession risk is rising. And I mean, we've one of the reasons the markets have been as weak as they have been is because we went from 12.2% annualized GDP in the second quarter of 2021, which was the peak. Uh, we might go to zero in the second quarter of 2022. Seven rate hikes and a 0% GDP? That, I'm sorry, that just doesn't sound right. No. So, well, I'm not really sure after all that why oil was falling. But um, if I think stocks and bonds are going to fall more, where are the safe havens now? And where can I put my money? And as we're talking about Russia, if that actually goes into a depression, what does that mean for the rest of the world? Okay, well, first of all, let's take the Russian question. So Russia's share of the global economy is probably sub 2% now, you know, maybe even one and a half percent. So a very small player uh, to the global economy, very unimportant uh, in terms of pure economics and trade. Um, if you look at their economy, you know, it's contracted by about 10% year to date as of now. 
Russian central bank interest rates stand at about 20%. Um, so obviously real, real problems there. Uh, Russia, it will most likely default. I think on Wednesday, Mike, right? Wednesday, they have a debt payment coming up in US dollars. I would yeah, think, yeah. So Russia has a bomb payment that's due tomorrow. And they're basically cut off from accessing their US dollar reserves from around the world. So they have to pay the debt in rubles, which would technically be a default. Yeah. And so I, I rewind back to the beginning of my career, 1998, right? Uh, Russian uh, long-term capital management debacle, a billion-dollar hedge fund run by two gentlemen that invented the options pricing formula, Black and Scholes, the biggest hedge fund at the time, one, $1 billion hedge fund at the time, which was the biggest around, had a large bet on Russia. The ruble defaulted. The Dow was down 20%. You could see that this does not matter anymore because these markets would look a heck of a lot different uh, than they did in that October of 98. Um, and uh, so, so, look, it's a very small piece of, of the global pie. Um, I think that um, when you look for safe havens in these markets right now, I go back to, I don't know, maybe four or five, two Tuesdays ago, when we explicitly said, times like these, when you have inflation rolling higher than 6% for a 12-month period, like you do now, stocks and bonds are down on average 5 to 6%. And you got the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index down this morning, 5.5%. I mean, it's the worst bond market in my whole life, uh, You know, 45 years come March 30th. Um, and I think that if you look um, you know, at stocks, you know, down 12% uh, on the S&P 500. Some of the tech stuff is starting to look cheap to me, especially if rates are going to kind of fix themselves here. Uh, banks are obviously trading badly because of, you know, what's going on in the corporate high yield market to Mike's earlier point. Um, what do you do? You stay balanced. Uh, I And, you know, again, I think if you want stability in the portfolio, look how the U.S. dollar is really holding up okay. If you were going to have really pain uh, I, I think you could actually find some values in some different parts of the bond market right now. Uh, taxable munis. I think even if you look at tax-free closed-end uh, muni bond funds here that are trading out there now at steep discounts. You, know, you don't start a full position, but 10% discounts, 12% discounts, you know, with 5% tax-free coupons almost. Those look pretty attractive right to me right now to me to start positions in uh, if you're a long-term investor. So if you're a long-term investor, dollar cost averaging into stocks and bonds at these levels, uh, you're, you know, long-term, I think that that's uh, the, the right move to make. Uh, I know it's a simple strategy, uh, but you, you stick, you, you follow a course, you watch your risk. And these are certainly, you know, prices, hey, for stocks, 12% off. Uh, where they were three months ago. And for bonds, you know, even though rates are going to rise, there is some value to be found out there uh, if you know where to look in the right places and stay diversified. And I think tech is cheap. Some of these tech companies are, are pretty cash rich right now. And the geopolitical events or rising rates won't affect them as much as people think. What I think is really interesting, what you said before, too, is, I mean, you have to be a little bit careful because growth is obviously slowing. Um, <laughs> You know, some of these spreads in some high yield type of instruments, whether it be taxable municipals or I, I wouldn't go there yet, but high yield corporates are really blowing out. So you don't necessarily need yields to fall. You just need these spreads to kind of contract a little bit in order to make money. But you can collect a pretty significant interest rate on some of those in the meantime. And then simultaneously, 
if and when inflation does begin to start to roll over, and you know when I think it's going to happen, I think it's going to happen in this March, April type of time period with these base effects accelerating, because you really need oil at $125, $130 a barrel for it to continue to accelerate throughout the remainder of the year. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens to some of the stuff that has actually gone down pretty significantly in this time period, i.e. tech, which has actually outperformed energy by, or I'm sorry, underperformed energy by about 50% on a sector basis year to date, there has to be some mean reversion there. So, yeah, um, but, you know, I think what we all and look at financials. I mean, I think if you look through the financials and find some really good financial companies here with great dividends and good cash balances, they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater and there is some value there. Um, but think about what we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, what's going on and a lot of negatives right now. This stuff, unfortunately, does not solve itself overnight. This is not, you know, this is not a, a, a you know, a Fed coming out and having a statement rebound. Uh, this is going to take some time to work out here. Yeah, well, that's why generally markets take time to bottom. They don't just rip higher in a V. And I think you're more likely to see a longer term base building process with this correction and downturn. You know, the NASDAQ, I've always kind of equated this similarly to the fourth quarter of 2018 and the decline in the NASDAQ and a lot of other indexes are getting close to where you saw that decline actually taking you. Um, the one big difference here is the growth is decelerating from a much higher spot at 12.2% in the second quarter of 2021. So could there be a little bit longer to go in this? Quite possibly. Um but I would like to think that the uh, powers to be are not going to let policy, and by policy, I mean Fed and even um, fiscal policy, cause the economy to slip into a negative GDP type of scenario. Yeah. And look, bull markets climb walls of worry. We'll see if we're still in a bull by this wall of worry. And I think a quick type of piece of it or, or you know, backing off of escalations might be a catalyst for you know some green shoots in spring. That would be a catalyst, but until we see that, it's going to take some time. Yeah, and I mean sentiment is so negative. All you have to do is like whisper any realm of positivity for the market for it to actually have some type of a relief rally. Yeah. And then on the back end of that as well, set like um this, like I said before, sentiment is at its most extreme low levels that I've really seen in quite some time. So. Could the Fed come out tomorrow with some type of a dovish rate hike? It's very possible. Um, they're going to be concerned about inflation, but if they see signs of inflation rolling over and you get a dovish hike, the market does have some room. Here. And I'd like to see. What do you mean by What do you mean by dovish hike? If we're already anticipating twenty five basis points, what's a dovish hike? Not hiking seven times throughout the course of the year. Moving, moving the expectation and moving the needle about future rate hikes, I think, is or some type of alternative policy, as Phil yeah, mentioned before. Some type of operation, whether it's a, a twist redo in, in some format, you know, to re-inflate you know, re, uh, the yield curve in some way. Yeah, you need a rate hike because the market's concerned about inflation, but um, you, you need some type of dovishness talking about the fact that there's a lot of geopolitical risk, the credit markets are falling apart, they're gonna do things to try to um, stem those concerns for the markets to heal themselves. Because as long as high yield and credit markets are acting like this, it's gonna be almost impossible for the S&P 500 to mount any significant rally. Yeah. So why is it rising today? Uh, the market? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you get some of the inflation numbers rolling over and the S&P 500 has had a negative 0.5 correlation to oil prices. So the rollover in oil prices is probably giving the S&P a little bit of relief here. I mean, the oil's down 8% right now in West Texas. So, yeah. Okay, well, thank you, guys. That was great. And if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our new email address, question at twoquestiontuesday.com. And we will be back next week. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys.